Welcome back to Conversations. Dr. Philip Jones, one of the curators at the SA Museum, is my guest. We're talking about uh, the book that he... Do, do, can, I, can I say you've written the book, or was it better to yeah, say... Yeah, I can, wrote the book. Can, you had to compile all the images, did you not? Yeah, I, I had to do all that, and I, I wrote all the, all the words, yes. Illustrating the Antipodes, George French Angus in Australia and New Zealand, 1844 to 1845. Go and have a look at it, because it... it has been described as a magnificent volume. I'm intrigued also in your journey, Dr. Joe. You're very modest. You've, we had to gouge it out of you, really, that you were quite smart at school. So, so. But you go, you, you start a law and history degree, but you choose not to pursue the law. Was there a, was there a pivotal moment? Oh, well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's, probably brought up to finish something that you'd started and I had really didn't really know what I wanted to be. I suppose I had a bit of an idealist idea that I could help change the world if I became a lawyer and um, after one year of studying law I I thought I don't think I'm going to be able to get through this without doing something more interesting oh. <laughs> and that's why that's why I was able to take on a combined law arts degree, which, I mean, the normal uh, law degree would be four years, but law arts, if you did them together, normally arts would be three years, but if you did them together, it's six. So I thought, oh, that's a bargain. And, uh, <laughs> and I, so I did that, and then I got... Um, but why French history? Why did you whack that one in there? Well, I had a I had a girlfriend at the time who who had okay. who had done this particular course with with Austin Goff, who who was a marvelous uh, lecturer in French history, and so I did that course, and we we studied a book by Emil Zola uh, called Germinal, which is about um, the strikes in in France in the late nineteenth century, and he wanted us to write on that. And I wrote about it, but I wrote about what the workers did in their spare time, mm. in their leisure. And he liked that idea, and he said, oh, well, look, there's a whole body of work that has never been translated into English um, on the workers of France in the late 19th century, and there's a little paragraph in each chapter on the, their leisure. So I got to work translating that, as I had to teach myself French to do that, <laughs> and then by the following year I was able to do the thesis and and I think that in a way was what drew me into anthropology because these um, these um, studies of the French worker were essentially early anthropology so that's what drew me into it I, I so are you, are you fluent in French no uh, not I can read it uh, but speaking it is a different matter you know I, I can have you, have you been there? Have you been there to, to practice yes. and see if you can make your way around? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've sufficiently embarrassed myself <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> you've um, you've written quite a few books. So you you won the Prime Minister's Prize, uh, yeah. the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Nonfiction, with Oka uh, and, and Rust, Oka and Rust, yeah. Artifacts yeah. and Encounters on Australian Frontiers. Now, yeah. How did that come about? Oh, well, um, two things, I, I think. Uh, firstly, being exposed to the artefacts in the museum um, and their stories, their backstories, 
it intrigued me initially back in the early, well, it would have been 82, when I was asked to do a report or prepare a report on all the artefacts that we had in the museum from the Lower Murray and the Coorong for an archaeologist who was working with the Narrangiri people to excavate middens on the Coorong. And I ended up going down there with him and being his field assistant. But before that, he wanted this list. And that took me into the old leather-bound volumes of the museum. This is before computers. Mm. Um, and I found myself essentially coming across names like um, Stralo and Gillen and the Elder Expedition and Edward Sterling and uh, a whole range of in- individuals who'd collected this material and it intrigued me how they had. I wanted to find out, you know, was there violence involved? Were these objects stolen? Um, what were their relations with Aboriginal people? And I found overwhelmingly, and this is something that is still very poorly understood, that the museum's collections were gathered by people who had sympathy and curiosity about Aboriginal culture. Hmm. Um, in, I would say, 90, more than 90% of the collection that, that uh, goes against in that way. common misapprehension would be that they were, hmm. they were stolen. And... Yeah, absolutely. And there are obviously examples of that here and there, and, and particularly in overseas museums, uh, like Brussels, for example, uh, its African collection was essentially obtained through a large amount of theft, uh, mm. outright theft. In Aboriginal Australia, this is different, um, partly because uh, the way that you engage with strangers uh, in within traditional Aboriginal society is is through often through an exchange of objects. So this was already this was already the inclination on the frontier. Uh, the objects that Europeans had that Aboriginal people wanted in exchange have all disappeared because they were uh, cloth, tobacco, Bees, um, yeah. metal, yeah. Uh, metal in particular, and that's why I called my book Ochre and Rust because ochre coated the objects which Europeans. Acquired, yeah. yeah, and in a way, rust coated the objects that <laughs> Aboriginal people acquired from Europeans. So that 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 was the idea. I did, did, um, I'm interrupting here, I know, but uh, I did read a, a little snippet about something. You were you were shown a collection of boomerangs. Um, it might have been in America, uh, and they weren't. Uh, there was no description of them, but you were able to identify. The boomerangs from the the way they'd been shaped and their design. Am, am, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are collections in overseas museums um, from from Australia, which were gathered rather early, and and they went into uh, essentially the Pacific um, uh, division of these museums because nobody was really specialising in Australia. So, so there's a a lot of work to be done in sort of correcting what people have documented for these objects. And, and I guess, I mean, I did a big exhibition on the boomerang in the 1990s that, that travelled and, and a book that went with that. So I, I, I had my, I sort of 
build up some expertise and and I think I've got a very good memory for objects and designs and and that um that helps you you realize oh okay we're we're looking at a boomerang that they say it's from central Australia, but you can see clearly it's from uh southeast Queensland, for example why what's the difference? <laughs> Well, there are differences. Uh, you know, the boomerangs from Central Australia are just very characteristic. The the same type it was used more or less across the you know the the typical hunting boomerang, rather heavy, made of mulga, uh, ribbing along the upper surface and a certain bend. Whereas Queensland, uh, southeast Queensland, you have a sort of symmetrical boomerang more symmetrical and um, the wood is clearly different and as you get to the coast there's not much ochre on it it's it's just um, hardwood with some some uh, oil or fat rubbed into it that gives it a sheen and all these little things uh, add up I mean just as you you know you're able to recognize a, a, a certain model of vehicle uh, on the road in your revision mirror straight away if you spend long enough in a museum you can also do that with objects do we is, is the exhibition of aboriginal art and artifacts in our sa museum the best in australia i i, I did read that somewhere I, is, is that verified yeah well it it, it is I mean, our collection, because of Adelaide essentially being at the bottom of a funnel that leads up into the Northern Territory, which the South, which South Australia managed and you could say owned from the 1860s to 1911, uh, that sort of funnel of the bush, Adelaide was the capital city of the bush. And uh, so even material coming from the Kimberley, Arnhem Land, uh, Central Australia in, in particular, uh, the Cooper Creek, you know, the Streslecki Desert and around the Simpson. Uh, this material, there, there are individuals from South Australia, from Adelaide, who are out there, whether they're missionaries, explorers, uh, telegraph station officials, and so on. They were, in a way, not overtly, but the result was that their collections that they gathered uh, through their exchanges with Aboriginal people ended up in in Adelaide, and that's why we have this extraordinary collection. Well, I must say, Philip uh, or Dr. Jones, it seems almost disrespectful to call you Philip, but um, no, <laughs> I'm really. intrigued. I'm intrigued by the work you've done. I can't wait to see this book. As I said, I should have looked at it before I interviewed you. But can I ask a flippant question? What do you do for fun? Well, this morning I was rowing on the torrents. Oh. Yeah. I'm a late star. I used to row at school, but then I broke my finger and I stopped. But I ran into a... Um, someone who, who said, oh, I'll be a bit late for, them, for for our meeting because I'm rowing this morning. And then we got into a conversation about that. Now, now I'm a member of the, the Riverside Rowing Club. Well, there's a few veterans row down there, I think. They, exactly, yeah. So yeah. Every time oh, they're I, wonderful people. Every time I walk past, I think I must do that. It's a glorious sport. Um, look, it's been great speaking to you. I'm disappointed I haven't met you previously. I can't wait to have a look at that book. So... Um, continue the work for how much longer will you do it do you think oh, a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> dr yeah. philip jones thanks so much for your time no worries 
And thank you, folks, for joining us. Look, if you want to seek out the book, it's called Philip Jones Illustrating the Antipodes, George French Angus in Australia and New Zealand, 1844 to 1845. It's published by the National Library of Australia. I expect it's in bookshops. Go, go and have a look at it. Um, but if you want to see the works in real life, the exhibition of George French Angus's works will be held at the South Australian Museum between the 5th of March and the 8th of May. So you can actually see these works of art and his sketches in person. Thank you so much for joining us.